Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Shirley, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen. Each week, we will be releasing sermons and studies delivered directly from the pulpit at our church. Our goal with this podcast from Calvary Road Baptist Church is to make the gospel and sound biblical preaching more available to a wider audience. We hope that these sermons will be a blessing and an encouragement to you each week. As the scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's word. No matter what you're facing, no matter where you've been, in hard times or in good times, just keep your eyes on him. That's what the song says. Can I tell you that solved most of our problems? Amen. If we could get our eyes off of whatever it is that's bugging us and just keep them on Him. Amen. What a glorious thing it is to be saved. Amen. And I mean that. I'm not just saying that. That's not just something we say because, well, we're at church, so we say churchy things. No, I'm telling you that I'm glad I'm saved. That I'd rather be saved than anything else. That what I've got is real. And my God is real. And the Lord Jesus, he's real. He's not, he's not a fairy tale. He's not stories we tell our kids to make them feel good about things. He's God and he's my God. He's my Savior. And I'm glad that I know him. Amen? I can't imagine life without him. I, amen. I mean, I've, I've been saved since I was eight years old. I can't imagine not being saved. Amen. And I pray for my children, and I pray uh, for, for all the young children in our church. There's a prayer that I, that I pray specifically for all the young kids especially, and that's that the moment they reach the age of an understanding that they need a Savior, that they'll get saved. Because there's nothing better than living your whole life with the Lord. Amen. I, I know some people, they didn't, they didn't have that opportunity. And some people, they were harder-headed than others. And, and let, me just, let me just be clear. Just because I got saved when I was young don't mean I didn't make some bonehead choices. I did. But I, I don't remember much from before I got saved. I don't remember a whole lot from when I was six and seven. Just, just little glimpses and little pieces. You know what I mean? So most of my memories are being a part of the family of God. And there is just something wonderful about that. Amen? Amen. Brother Caleb, you come on up here and get ready. Uh, Brother Caleb Shirley, uh, we're looking forward to what the Lord has laid on his heart tonight. Amen. So grab your Bible, uh, follow along with him. We're not going to be having, he's got us water right here. Yes, well, there's a water right here on the right for you. Uh, we're not going to be using the, uh, the screen back here, giving Miss Jana a break and, and any of the ones who work in the back. So just grab your Bible, follow along with him, and hear what the Lord has to say. Amen. Amen. Uh, I don't think I'm on. Now, it's supposed to be. Is it working? It's working. Praise the Lord. We're going to be in Romans tonight. And uh, I want to say I appreciate each and every one of you that's come back. And thank you for your faithfulness. I hope that, uh, uh, I hope that you've come expecting something from Him. And uh, <clears throat> if He don't do anything, and if, and if you've come expecting something from me, you're going to be disappointed. Um, I don't have anything to give you, but my prayer is that the Word of God will do what it always does and that it will not disappoint you. That's my prayer. And uh, <clears throat> I, again, am thankful to get to be here. It's funny, man, I tell you, I was nervous this morning. I, I do, uh, for those of you that don't know, I, I work uh, in physical therapy. I'm known what you call as a physical therapist assistant which is really uh, low stress. I just get to go in there and do the, the treatments and don't have to really spend a, lot, like, spend a lot of thought and such. It's just, it's great. I enjoy it. I work at the, uh, I work at the, the nursing home there in Jamestown, which is the county seat at the county that I'm at, Russell County. And um, uh, when I got up this morning, I sent a message to the, the supervisor. I said, about how many hours do I have today of work? And she responded, nine and a half. That's right. And if I'd have done nine and a half hours, we'd have been late. And so I got to work as soon as I can. And uh, it's funny, man, a bunch of the patients I was supposed to see, 
uh, wasn't there, had appointments, things of that nature, and God just worked it out, and I had all kinds of time, and I want to say I appreciate that. I know that uh, Calvary Road Baptist Church, y'all have been praying for the meeting, and Grace Baptist Church, my church has been praying. I got a message today from a, a dear lady that said she's praying for revival at Calvary Road, and so, well, I appreciate God's people praying for me. And I'm thankful I got to be back here. You know, there, there's road work between here and E-Town. And I was nervous about that. And so we left early and uh, everything was smooth and fine. And God's been good to us. You know, I've, I've been preaching through the book of Romans at my church on Wednesday night. And Brother Tim referenced Romans last night. I think that was God, I'll just be honest. Uh, verifying some things in my heart. And um, I've enjoyed it. Book of Romans is difficult. Brother Tim uh, mentioned that last night. It's, it's difficult, especially when you get about halfway through there, or a little over halfway when you get to chapter 9 and chapter 10 and chapter 11. And that's where I want to try to be today. We're going to be in chapter 10. And uh, as I preach through the book of Romans on Wednesday nights there at my church, I get to pastor. Uh, I'm, I'm going expositionally. Um, I, I, that means verse by verse. I'm, I'm taking my time wading through the Bible, uh, hearing this book, and trying to take the whole context and see the big picture. And when you get to chapter 9, what you find out in the book of Romans is that Apostle Paul uh, kind of hones in, focuses really on a specific uh, demographic, and that specific demographic of people is the Jews in Rome. And uh, you see that in the beginning of chapter 9. He says, say that, uh, I say a truth uh, in Christ, I lie not, my conscience also bearing witness, uh, bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. So there he wants you to know what I'm saying uh, uh, is verified by God. And I mean this from the bottom of my heart, Paul says. Then he says this, that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart, for I could wish that myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertaineth the, the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises, whose are the fathers and of whom as concerning the flesh Christ came, who is over all God blessed forever. You know what Paul said? He said, from the bottom of my heart, witnessed by the Holy Ghost of God, I want y'all to know if I could, I'd die and go to hell if that meant my brothers in the flesh, those Israelites, would immediately be saved by me doing so. Now Paul knew, and you know, we don't have the ability to do that, do we? We're not good enough to die for somebody else's sins. That's just a fact. There was only ever one man good enough uh, to give himself so that anybody might be saved. And that's exactly what he did. And so Paul, again, he's changing gears. And he wants us to know that he has a, an affinity, if you will, a, a strong desire for his brethren there in Rome, those Israelites. And that's who he focuses on. And in chapter 9, what you find is you find Paul is addressing Israel's past rejection. In chapter 10, their present rejection. And in chapter 11, he talks about their future rejection. He's dealing with the people of Israel here in this passage, but he's wanting to show them uh, a newness that is in Christ and in this New Testament that came only through and by Jesus Christ. In the book of Hebrews, you find out that it was a better testament, that everything that came with Christ was an improvement on what they had in the Old Testament in every facet. And that's what Paul's doing here in the book of Romans. He's instructing them that they need to let go of what they thought was so good in that Old Testament law and that Old Testament way of trying to become righteous and receive a better way that Jesus has given us in order to be righteous. And so here in chapter 9, Paul reveals the righteous control of God. In chapter 9, I'll just tell you, 
Many believe and really reference this chapter uh, for the Calvinist ideology. And I'll just tell you, uh, uh, if you don't take the entire chapter, you might believe in some type of Calvinist ideology. But what you'll find at the end of chapter 9 is you'll find out that God uh, honors faith in those that believe. You see, the Calvinists would have you to believe that before before you believe in Christ, before you ever put your faith in Him, a Calvinist would have you to believe uh, that, that, that God saves you or quote-unquote regenerates you first. And that is not what the Bible says. Amen? It says, for by grace are ye saved through faith. Amen? And as a Bible believer today, we understand that God puts the ball in our court to believe. He gives us the measure of faith to believe. And we must receive and believe Him as our Savior. And so chapter 9 talks about God's control. How that God has decided to honor those that believe and to receive them unto Himself. And then in chapter 10, what you find is you find that Apostle Paul begins to reveal to us the relentless carnality of man. And let me just tell you something. Man's carnal. The natural man is wicked. It's carnal. It wants what it wants. And it really don't care about nothing that God has to say about it. And in the first part of chapter 10, what do we find? We find Paul's earnest desire there in verses 1 through 4. Paul says, my brethren, or excuse me, brethren, my heart's desire... And prayer to God is for, for Israel is that they might be saved. Paul wanted to see them get saved. He says, for I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. That's the problem of Israel. Let me tell you something. If you listen to a Jew talk today, and, and I've listened to a handful on by way of internet and such, I've heard many of them make this statement. I just don't know why I need somebody else to atone for my sin. In other words, I'm good enough to take care of my sin. But what they need to realize is what Paul said there in verse 3. Stop going about to establish your own righteousness and submit yourself to the righteousness of God. And that's what Paul's trying to deal with in the lives of these believers, these Jews. For Christ, he said, is the end of the law for the righteousness to everyone uh, that believeth. And so we see his earnest desire. And then Paul shows us an evident distinction There in verse 5, he says, For Moses describeth, notice, the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. So what's he saying? He's saying Moses established the righteousness, and it was by the law for those that did what the law said. Notice verse 6, But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise, Say not in thine heart who shall ascend uh, uh, into heaven. That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep. That is to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is, notice, the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, uh, uh, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You say, what's the distinction? There's an evident distinction here that Paul's making. And the distinction is this. Look here, hey. In the Old Testament, what was required for you to establish a quote-unquote righteousness was that you must do what the law said. And what Paul tells them here is he's saying now in Christ Jesus, it's not about what you do according to the law. It's merely about what you believe in your heart and that therefore is manifest from your mouth. 
For with the heart man believeth, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Paul said you don't have to do nothing. It's literally sitting in your mouth and ready to be confessed just as soon as you believe on Jesus Christ. It's an evident distinction. And then Paul shows us this doctrine, and he explains the doctrine there in verse 11. For the Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. He's saying you've got nothing to be ashamed of. And if you get saved, you will confess it because you're not ashamed of what's took place in your heart. And I say amen to that. Apostle Paul said in chapter 1, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? For it's the power of God unto salvation. Listen to me. Somebody claims they're saved but is afraid to confess it then there's something wrong somewhere. Amen. We understand these things. I'm just really reiterating in your heart some truths from the Bible, but I am going somewhere. Paul wants us to realize the importance of this doctrine. So what's he doing? He's explaining. He's explaining this truth. Notice verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him? of whom they have not heard. And how shall they hear without a preacher? Notice, and how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. That's a quote out of the book of Isaiah. And it's speaking about those, look here, hey, that carry the gospel to a lost and dying world. And it says, how beautiful are their feet. Why? Because those feet are the instruments that are, they're using to pack the greatest truth that's ever been told, Amen. the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's read on, verse 16. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. How about that? But Esaias saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? <laughs> If hearing's, the, if hearing's the, the problem here, they must not have heard. So have they not heard? Verse 18, yes, verily. Their sound went into all the earth, their words unto the ends of the world. But I say, notice, did not Israel know? First Moses saith, I will provoke you into jealousy uh, by them that are no people, and by a foolish nation I will anger you. In other words, uh, uh, we're go- Moses here said that uh, Israel... Uh, God's going to make you jealous by being good to a people uh, that he's not handpicked like you. Notice what he said in verse 20, but Esaias is very bold and saith, notice, I was found of them that sought me not. I was made manifest unto them that asked not for me. Now let me just tell you something. That's a big deal to a Jew. Paul here says God, or references Isaiah, and he's saying God is going to send goodness to a people that wasn't looking for it. But to Israel, he saith, all day long I have stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. I want to preach a little while out of the thought in the beginning of verse 15 where it said, and how shall they preach except they be sent? I want to talk a little bit about this truth. And I want you to realize that your New Testament and Old Testament process of reaching people was a complete reversal, number one. A complete reversal. You say, what do you mean? In your Old Testament, as we flip over the book of Deuteronomy, flip with me the book of Deuteronomy. We're going to do a little bit more Bible uh, flipping this evening like we did yesterday. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 4, and as you flip, I'm going to speak a little bit. The Old Testament is obviously different than the New in a lot of ways. And one way that it's different is how God uh, uh, set forth a plan, if you will, for mankind to find or get to know who God is. And we see that throughout the Old Testament 
And I'm just going to show you some passages quickly. We're going to go through a handful here. And I am going somewhere, so try to stay with me. But in Deuteronomy chapter 4, we find uh, how God instructed man and how God revealed to man uh, uh, a way, an avenue by which they could get to know God. And the avenue was by this, seek me. It's as if God looked at man in the Old Testament and he said, hey, you want, to, you want to know what righteousness is? You want to know who I am? You want to, you want to be right with me? And, and you want to go to heaven when you die, if you will? Seek me, God says. Look at chapter 4 of Deuteronomy. Look with me at verse 29. The Bible says this, But if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him, and if thou seek him with all thy heart, notice, and with all thy soul, when thou art in tribulation, and all these things are come upon thee, even in the latter days, if thou turn to the Lord thy God and shalt be obedient uh, unto his voice, for the Lord thy God is merciful God, he will not forsake thee, neither destroy thee, nor forget the covenant of thy fathers, which he swore unto them. So here in chapter 4, we find this precedence. Flip to chapter 12. As you flip, I'm going to speak some more. What the writer here says is he says, if you want to know God, you want to find the mercy of God, you want God to bless you, seek the Lord, the Bible says. And in chapter 12, verse 5, we find this precedence again. But unto the place, notice the place which the Lord your God should choose out of all your tribes to put his name there, uh, even unto his habitation, shall ye seek, and thither uh, thou shalt come. And so here we find this getting even a little more specific. It said, listen to me, there's a place that God's going to choose in all the tribes of Israel, and that is where you're going to have to go. That's where you're going to have to uh, 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 move to, if you will, uh, to find God. Of course, we know where that place was. It was Jerusalem, and it got even more specific. He had a house built, a temple built there in Jerusalem as God's house, and literally, church, listen to me now, in that temple, in the holiest of holies, was the manifest presence of God and if you wanted to know God and experience God you had to go where God was you had to seek God it was the ball was in your court to go towards him in other words God said you want to know me Come get you some. Amen. And let me just tell you something. If I was God, that's probably how I'd be. Amen. I'd probably be like, look, I'm good. I'm great. I've got everything you could ever ask for. And I just want you to come to me to get it. But guess what you find? You find that wasn't the case in mankind. And we are extremely carnal. God, help us. Flip the first Chronicles. We'll read a couple more passages here. I hope y'all are doing all right. I love God's Word. Amen. It's the most important book that's ever been written. And uh, we, we spend a whole lot of time doing anything and everything else. And so tonight we're going to enjoy some time looking at the Scriptures. There in 1 Chronicles chapter 16, Bible says this in verse 10. It says, Glory ye in His holy name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. Let the heart of them rejoice. Notice that seek the Lord. Verse 11, seek the Lord and his strength, seek his face continually. There's the instruction. There's the precedence. Flip over to 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles chapter 11. A precedence is set in the Old Testament. The ball is in man's court, and man has been given the command and instruction to do the seeking in regards to their relationship with God. Verse 16, chapter 11, 2 Chronicles, it says, And after them... Out of all the tribes of Israel, uh, such as set their hearts, notice, to seek the Lord God of Israel, came to Jerusalem to sacrifice unto the Lord God of their fathers. And so, what do we find? We find these people seeking God, going to where God was, whereat in Jerusalem, and committing sacrifices to that God in order to have a relationship with Him. Are y'all seeing the precedence of the Old Testament. Now flip with me one more time in the Old Testament. Let's look at Ezra. Let's look at Ezra. First and second Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah. So Ezra, next book over. Look with me at chapter 6. 
Ezra chapter 6. What's the book of Ezra, child of God, tonight? Look up here. Don't go off in la-la land. I'm so guilty. I'm the worst about when preachers go to read and I'm in another world. Amen. Don't do that tonight. Ezra, where are we at in, in history? Israel has just come out of the bondage of, of Babylon and the Medes and Persians and been given the liberty to go back to Israel. Why? Uh, because that's where God wanted them to be. And here in the book of Ezra, notice chapter 6 and verse 21, the Bible says this, And I, even... Oh, no, that's chapter 7. Excuse me, chapter 6 and verse 21, the Bible says... And the children of Israel, which were come again out of captivity, there it is, and all such as had separated themselves unto them from the filthiness of the heathen of the land, notice, to seek the Lord God of Israel, did eat. What did they do? Well, they went back to Israel. Why did they go back to Israel? To seek God. Why? Because if you wanted to seek God, you had to go where God was. Amen. That's the precedence. Now flip back to chapter 4. It wasn't just for the Jew. It wasn't just for the Jew, uh, the Israelite. But in chapter 4, we find this in verse 2. Then they came to Zerubbabel and to the chief priests of the fathers and said unto them, Let us build with you. Let us build with you, it says, for we seek your God as ye do. And we, these are not Jews, these are not Israelites, we do sacrifice unto him since the days of Esar Hadan, king of Asher, which brought us up hither. Here's the precedence, Old Testament. You want to know God? Go find him. Go find him. And he gave them plenty of reason to do so. Uh, Word spread across that region like nowhere else about what the God of Israel did for Israel in regards to Egypt, the power of the world in that day, all the miracles, there was never a God ever uttered about like that God. And if you wanted to know Him, you had to go where He was. Amen. And you know what's going to happen again one day in the future? It's going it's to return that way. Amen. There's coming a rapture. And when that rapture takes place, the Holy One, the Holy Ghost, the Comforter, is going to be taken out. And if mankind wants to know who God is, and if mankind wants to get to know Him in that tribulation and in that millennial reign, they're going to have to pay a, a credence to where God is as He sits on His throne in Jerusalem. Right. Does that make sense to y'all? Makes real good sense to me. And guess what Paul's trying to do in Romans 10? He's trying his best to reveal to those Jews that they've got it a better way. A better way. Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. In the Old Testament, there was a precedence, and the precedence was this. You want to know God, you go find Him. You seek Him. And if you do, here's the blessing, he'll, he'll show himself to you. Amen. It wasn't like he was playing hide and seek. It wasn't like he was going to make it hard on them, if you will. But it took a doing, like Paul said. They had to do what that law said in order to find God. And then here comes Luke chapter 19. And here comes a little old nothing lowly man named Jesus Christ. And there in verse 10, he's speaking And he said, for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Boy, I'm going to tell you something. When I was in my study and I saw that, (laughs) I started enjoying the goodness of God. You say, why, Brother Caleb? Because I didn't have the means to find him. Hallelujah. I wasn't good enough. I didn't have anything to offer. And look here, friend of mine. When it come to needing him, it was all him in regards to me. And Paul wanted those Jews to come to a realization that when that New Testament came into, uh, 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 came into fruition and Jesus Christ paid that ultimate price, He made a way so that mankind uh, could come to know God having never uh, exerted an effort at all in order to find Him. But we're not, for we're not saved, listen to me, in any capacity by our works. 
There's not an ounce of our works involved with our salvation. Not an iota. There ain't a thing you or I could ever do uh, to deserve to find Him. He has taken care of every single ounce of you and I getting born again. You say, well, I was one to believe. Yeah, but He's the one gave you that measure of faith in order to believe, friend of mine. And in order for you today, listen here, in order for you and I to come to a realization, we need to take the whole counsel of God's Word. We need to see this big picture. There's been a complete reversal. And there's also been, notice, a call of people. We're still in Luke. Look at chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. Jesus has died. Jesus has been buried. He's resurrected. He has fulfilled His gospel. He's giving instruction to His people in regards to how they're supposed to live after they've been saved. Because friend of mine, if getting saved was the end of it, you got raptured. Amen? If all we needed to do in this life was get born again, then why wouldn't He just take us out after we got saved? So what's that mean? You ain't done. Amen. He's got a purpose for you. And you don't have to be a God-called man of God, preacher, pastor, evangelist, missionary, Sunday school teacher, listen to me, to fulfill your, uh, your, your duty, your instruction from Christ that He left for all those that believe after he left. Are y'all listening to me? There in Luke chapter 24, we see his instruction. Look at verse 45, I believe it is. The Bible says, Then opened he their understanding, that they might understand the Scripture, said unto them, Thus it is written, Thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. You know what a witness is? Look here, listen. A witness is not just somebody that sees something, but professes it. They tell it. Oh man, most of us is taking care of about half of that. If we be honest. We're witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promises of my Father unto you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endowed with power from on high. So what's the Lord telling them? He's saying, boys, I'm going over yonder, and when I get over yonder, it's your job and your responsibility to take this message everywhere. Flip to Mark chapter 16. I like to read this chapter, a little bit of it, because it's not in the modern versions. Amen. And I'm King James only. Man. Because I believe it's God's Word to English-speaking people. And uh, I know this church does too. And I want to give you something. You know, there's a lot of modern versions that cut this whole portion out of the Bible. This whole portion, they say, shouldn't be in the Bible. In Mark chapter 16, verse 15... And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them uh, uh, that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. This is free. I'm going to chase a rabbit here. Are you all ready for this? I got more respect for a little bitty old no, nothing hole-in-the-wall church with no windows in eastern Kentucky that's doing this whole passage, handling snakes and drinking poison and acting like they're speaking in tongues and acting like they can do signs more than I do these big televangelist Pentecostal wannabes that just want to act like they can speak in a tongue, but I ain't never seen them hold no snake. Right. Y'all see what I'm saying? Like if you believe in signs, where's your snake? Okay? Because that's what the whole passage said. And if they really believe in signs, they'll quit making fun of these backwoods, eastern Kentucky psychopaths. Come on, help me. Amen. And start acting like them. They're picking and choosing what makes them look like somebody. Amen? Amen. Now we know those signs were for an allotted time in order to reach the Jew. Every time a sign was ever exhibited, there was a Jew either exhibiting it 
or present for it to prove to them. Why? Because the Bible said a Jew seeks after a sign. And God loves them, man. And He just does things for them that they don't deserve, but He just loves them enough to show them. Why? Maybe because He wants to remove every opportunity for the Jew to make an excuse that God didn't reveal Himself to them because, my goodness, has He not? And all God's people said, Amen. So what do we find here in this passage? Jesus left us an instruction. What's the instruction? To take His message and go give it to the lost. Why? Because in the Old Testament, the lost had to go find Him. But the New Testament, guess what God's done? He's called all of us to go find them. It's a complete reversal. It's a complete swap. Now I want you to flip with me to Acts chapter 1. We're almost done. Acts chapter 1. I want you to notice a comfortable place. You know what Acts chapter 1 is? Lord Jesus leaves, Holy Spirit comes. What happens? Holy Spirit comes, we start seeing those signs. Speaking in new tongues, speaking in new languages. All right? Not an unknown tongue, not the tongues of heaven. Peter spoke, and all these different languages understood him. And that was a sign of God. Amen. Amen. And here in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, what do we find? We find the Lord's instruction, but ye shall receive power. And they did. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and he did. And ye shall be witnesses. What's a witness? That's when you see it or hear it, and then you share it. Amen. Unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. We all know this passage. This is the Great Commission. This is why we support missionaries. This is why we do these things. But you know what you find Israel doing here, those Jews? You find them getting real comfortable. And there in chapter 2 and chapter 3 and chapter 4 and 5 and 6 and 7, guess what you find? You find people getting saved all over the place. It was camp meeting. Hallelujah. They were having heaven on earth. It was, look here, it was almost like, listen, they're in the middle of Jerusalem. It was almost like the presence of God's back in Jerusalem. It was almost like if you want to seek the Lord, you got to come here. It was almost like, look here, hey, let's just set up camp and never leave. But was that God's will? Guess what you find in chapter 8? Look with me, verse number 1. Chapter 8, verse 1. And Saul was consenting unto his death, talking about Stephen. And at that time, notice, there was a great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. And rightfully so. Amen? As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hauling men and women, committed them to prison. Therefore, Here's verse 4. They that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the Word. What did did God tell them in 1? Chapter 1. Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the world. Seven chapters later, they're just sitting in Jerusalem enjoying the goodness of God. But guess what God did? He allowed some troubles to come their way. He allowed some persecution to come their way. Why? Because they were comfortable. Because they had the sweetness of God and His Spirit, the Holy Ghost. They'd never had that before. They didn't know what the peace of God that passeth understanding was like till then. They didn't know what unspeakable joy was and full of glory. But now they had it and they were home, Brother Tim. And it was fun. And people are are professing Jesus all over the place. And Peter's over here dunking them by the grove, son. We're talking about camp meeting like we ain't never seen. But guess what? That wasn't God's will. That wasn't God's instruction. No, no. See, God's instruction was, y'all go get them. In the Old Testament, it was, y'all come here. In the New Testament, it was, all right, let's go find them. They're out there. 
They're looking for you. They need you to come. Actually, I said that wrong. They're not looking for you. But if you don't come, then they're going to die lost and go to hell. It's a complete reversal. You know, over there in Matthew, you don't have to flip there, but in Matthew chapter 12, read about the Queen of the South in reference to Solomon and his temple. And if you study and you read after men and commentators and scholars, you'll find out that many believe she was the queen of Ethiopia. And the Bible says that that queen had the means to do this, loaded up, and went to Jerusalem in order, notice, to seek the God of Israel. To seek out the king of Israel, Solomon, and to see what that was all about. Why? She had the means to do so. She was a queen. And so she did, and guess what she found out, Brother Tim? (laughs) It was not disappointing. She shows up, she sees what all's going on, and she's like, this is truly something special. And that's no ordinary God. That's no ordinary king. This is no ordinary people. I'm going to believe in this in some capacity, and she did. So what you find in the book of Acts chapter number 8? You find there was a eunuch from Ethiopia. The south. And he's got some scripture. He's got Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 is the passage of your Savior. And he's reading it. And guess what the Bible says? We need to see it. Flip with me. Acts chapter 8. Look with me at verse number 26. I enjoy God's Word. I'm not a good reader. Y'all can probably tell that now. But man, when I get into God's Word, I, I get stuck in it. Look at verse 26. The angel of the Lord spake unto Philip. An angel of the Lord is speaking unto Philip, the Bible says, saying, Arise, go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is a desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia and eunuch. So what's going on here, Brother Caleb? What's going on here is God is seeking out a lost man by sending someone instead of them having to come find him. What happens? The Bible says, Great authority under cadence of queen of the Ethiopians who had the charge of all her treasure had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Esaias, that's Isaiah the prophet, Spirit said unto Philip, Go near, join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him, heard him read the prophet Esaias, and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, how can, I, how can I, except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come and sit with him. Skip down to verse 35. The Bible says, Then Philip opened his mouth and began at that same scripture. Notice, and preached unto him Jesus. We're in the same boat as what we just read. So what's that? God is sending His people to find the lost. And just like here in this passage, how that God sent Philip, and Philip showed up, and Philip was able to to preach to him the truth of Jesus Christ. Let me just tell you something. You've got an obligation too. You say, but Brother Caleb, I'm not, I'm not a preacher. I'm not Brother Paul. Yeah, and Brother Paul will never be able to be in, the, in contact with the people that you will. But you know what we are? We're about halfway witnesses. So what do you mean? We've seen what God can do. We've heard what God's doing. We've been involved in the presence of God. We've been sitting in services where God's stern, and boy, it's, it's so good. You know what we think? Well, that's, that's enough. My belly's full. Now I'll go to the house, and I'll get up, and I'll go to work, and I'll, I'll make it through my day. Oh, God help me to make it through my day around all those lost people. And we never say a blessed, fired thing to them about Jesus Christ. Not the first thing. Why? Because we're just like those Israelites. Comfortable. Comfortable. Young people, we go to school. 
I went to public school too. Where do you go to school, young man? Bullet Central. God help you. I went to Greene County. It's no wonder I can't read. Amen? And I'm watching you, by the way, Hosscat. Amen. I like to give him a hard time because he spies on me every time we go to anything. He's like lurking in the shadows. Where do you, you go to school? You go to public school? You, you're homeschooled? Christian school? Praise the Lord. You know, there's probably some kids in there ain't safe too. Amen. So what are you getting at? <clears throat> we all have exposure to lost people in some capacity. And the vast majority of us never utter a word to them. Nope. Why? Because we got, we got God in our life. You know, we've got our Jerusalem right here at Calvary Road. And Brother Paul gets up and man, he preaches the good, son. He's got the touch of God. And he really, I mean, he pulls them truths out of the Scripture like you ain't never heard nobody and it really helps me. And man, I'll even at times, man, I go up to the altar and the Lord just really just loves on me and hugs on me. And I get up there with my wife or even my children and it's just awesome. And man, we get on the goodness of God at church and it's awesome. Maybe we even go to revivals and, and we go to our Sunday school class and we go to all these things and all those things are good and you shouldn't forsake those assemblies. Somebody say amen. amen. But let me just tell you something. God didn't leave you here just for that. And if He did, then I'd probably hook up and try to be some kind of Mennonite or Amish or something. Amen. Because guess what they're doing? They're just trying to take care of theirs and they have no desire to reach nobody else. They're shipping families away from their area to prevent inbreeding, Brother Tim. Why? Because they don't reach nobody. You understand? It's their bunch of families, and that's it. And that ain't got nothing to do with why Jesus Christ left you here. I don't know where I'd be today, Brother Joe, if Damon Milby hadn't showed up to Diana and Elbert Shirley's house one day and looked at my grandmother and said, Diana, you get them three boys in church. You don't know what could happen if you don't, and you know that's where you're supposed to be. Mama, who was it that wretched y'all? What was the man's name? Who invited y'all to church? Finest Berry. Finest Berry. Finest Berry. Come and got Billy Milby and Lethe Milby, my mama's parents, and got them in church, and mama got saved. Albert Shirley, my daddy's daddy. Got in church, got straightened out. Amen. And one day, he and a couple other men went over to William Lee Berry's house. And that's Brother Zach Berry's granddad. <laughs> that's Gordon Berry's daddy. <laughs> and they influenced William Lee to get his family in church, get their life straightened out. Let me just tell you something. <laughs> I don't know what life is living in a drunkard's home. I don't, Brother Tim... Me and Paul, we went over to Cluckers last night. He took our family out, we eat, and he ordered me some loaded, what's them, the tater tots. Yeah. And it come out with this cheese, son, covered in cheese. Yeah. I took a big bite of it, and I said, now, Paul, I said, this cheese kind of tastes like beer. <laughs> and he took a bite, and he said, you know what? He said, now, I've never drank beer. And I said, now, I ain't neither. <laughs> but I know what beer smells like, right. amen? I ain't never drank no beer. You know what that is? That's the grace of God. Amen. And how was His grace bestowed in my life? Damon Milby showed up one day and cared about somebody else and saw the need, Brother Tim, Amen. and said, I'm not just going to sit here and enjoy what God's doing in my life. I think of Norman Bledsoe. Norman Bledsoe at the time was going to Zion, Mount Zion, is that what it's called? Norman Bledsoe in Williamsburg, Kentucky shows up to Bill and Sonia Metter's house. And that's my wife's parents. Amen. And they were young. And Bill, man, he's just cool as a fan, redneck as they come. Norman goes in there and starts telling them about Jesus, starts telling them about the gospel, starts asking them if they've been saved. And they said, no, we ain't never been saved. And took a King James and led my wife's mom and daddy to the Lord. 
And later on down the road, you know what happened, Brother Tim? They start going over to Saxton, where Brooke's at, where Brooke was from, rather, her daddy. Heather goes to a teen camp, Brother Joe, and I mean, gets so slap out. She said a preacher come up to her and busted her for wearing toenail polish. <laughs> and she didn't wear toenail polish and makeup for the longest time just because she was so sold out, she just was going to do whatever. And now that's a bunch of garbage, by the way. Amen. <laughs> What are you getting at, Brother Caleb? She fell in love. She fell in love with Jesus way before she ever fell in love with me. And I don't know how in God's... It's the grace of God she ever fell in love with me. Why? Because somebody cared enough to tell it. And we're so naive to think that there's not somebody right down the road from you that might be the next pastor of Calvary Road Baptist Church. Or might be the next missionary to North Korea or China. Are you listening? He said, oh, Brother Caleb, you don't know. You don't know. You don't know. But you know what you ought to know? Is that God left you here to tell somebody where you work, where you go to school, where you're at frequently. We go in a gas station, we go all over the place, and we never say nothing to nobody about nothing. And it's real easy to hand somebody a gospel track. And you will not spontaneously combust and catch on fire. You will survive. And God, you have no idea what God could do with that. You know what Paul said? He said in the Old Testament, it was the responsibility of man to go find God. And you know what? God would be right in leaving that responsibility today. He is so good... <laughs> He is so great that we ought to be the ones to have to figure Him out. But you know what He did? He sent His Son. And His Son came to seek and save that which was lost. You want to know how His Son is going to seek out the lost? By sending you. By sending you. And you know what God does sometimes? He makes us uncomfortable to find them. I've been telling this testimony everywhere I go, and I'm going to tell it again. You know, I had a job that I lost over that COVID debacle. Got fired. Got fired from a job that I loved. Pediatric therapy. Working with children. Heaven on earth. And the money was even better. Great money. They pay you unbelievable money. And look here. Listen. Brother, we was having prayer meeting every morning when I went to work in front of that building with all them kids having prayer meeting. I'm thinking, Jerusalem's right here. The presence of God's right here. This is sweet. I don't ever want to leave. Then COVID took place. And they got a little silly. And they made some guidelines that I wasn't willing to meet. And they canned my hind end. Gave me a letter of termination. Said, hit the road, Jack. And I'm scrambling. I'm thinking, why, God? I mean, we had a good thing going there. I was working with Christian people. Another man in there was a, a, a preacher. I mean, it was great. And I had to go down the road and find a job at the nursing home. It's hard work. Nursing home works hard. I mean, I went from pediatrics to nursing home. I mean, that's both sides of the spectrum. And I was where I loved it. But now this is where God opened the door. Let me just tell you, I had to take whatever job I could find. You feel me? I, I didn't have very many cards to play there. And I go in that place, and lo and behold, one day this little old lady comes up to me. She's got glasses. She's kind of backward. You pastor at Grace Baptist Church? I said, yes, I am. What's it to you? She said, well, I live right down the road on Dow Road. I said, really? She said, yeah. She said, I got a little girl. She's like 11, 12 years old. I can't remember. She said, I hear y'all run vans. She said, if you want to, she'd probably like to come. Well, I'm just like every other preacher, and I got a weak mind, and I kind of forgot. Because I'm sorry as Karen, just like every one of you. Man, don't, don't be so hard on your preacher. He's just red-blooded dude like you. Amen? I forgot. I mean, I forgot, Brother Joe. I mean, I... And it dawned on me one day, brother. And I called Zach. I said, 
right down the road, yellow single-wide trailer, got a little girl, go visit them, said she'd come. And guess what? She did. Her name's Eva. And she is as precious as the morning sun. I'm talking about precious. She starts coming. And we do super churches on the last Wednesday night of each month. We bring all of our bus van riders into the sanctuary, and we have a big service with everybody. You know, we do bus ministry, and I think last Wednesday we had like 57 kids. I mean, it's a little bit too much for us because we got a little bit of church, but God's good, and He provides, and we just keep on trucking. Amen? And, and man, we're having super church, and it was good. And Brother Zach, I talked to him, and I said, I'm going to preach tonight, and the theme of that month was the gospel. Well, <laughs> Okay, praise the Lord, I'm locked and loaded, let's go. And I got in there and preached, man, and it got sweet. Brother Tim Fort was all set done. I think we had like 11 kids make a profession of faith. It was amazing. And one of them was little Eva. And I mean, she, she's, she's half Mexican. Her dad's Mexican, and she's just gorgeous. And her tears just running off her cheeks. Miss Noel Berry, Brother Zach's wife, gets with her. And she comes up just wiping. She's, and I got down and she's so, I said, Miss Eva, I said, what'd God do for you? She said, well, he saved me. I said, if you died right now, where would you go? She said, heaven. Well, then on down the road, I'm at work one day and her mama, Dawn Yell, that's right, Dawn Yell, that's her name. She comes up to me. She said, Caleb, you need to take Eva with you for about a week or so. I'm like, what are you talking about? She said, she's getting on my last nerve, brother. I said, really? She said, yeah, she was supposed to go to my mom's school's out at summertime, but mom said she can't have her, and I just need a break. I said, well, I'll tell you what. I said, I'll give you a week. She's like, what? I said, we got teen camp coming up. I said, send her to teen camp. And man, she went, loved it. I couldn't hardly get her to leave me alone at times. She just loved it. Everything was great. It was like, it was like she was on, in, at heaven on earth, man, loving it. We get back, and we're having a big day coming up for VBS, and I tell Danielle, I said, Danielle, I said, now I took your girl to teen camp. I said, I gave you a week. I said, I expect you to be at commencement on Saturday, and I said, I expect you to be at church on Sunday. And guess what? She said, I'll be there. Now, how many times, Brother Tim, you had somebody tell you they come to church and didn't? Me too. More than I can count. It's really pathetic. But guess what? Danielle came. And I'm sitting on the jankiest Duncan booth you've ever laid your eyes on. And here she comes. Hey, Brother Caleb, told you. I said, praise the Lord, expect to see you in the morning. She said, okay, all right, I'll be here. And guess what, Brother Joe, she was. And she kept coming. And on a super church Wednesday night, Brother Zach was preaching on the bondage of sin and being set free. And little bitty Danielle stood up, <laughs> walked an old-fashioned aisle, and got down at an altar, got saved. Amen. A couple Sundays ago, Brother Joe, I dunked her hind in. Amen. And her sister was there. Her sister put a big post on Facebook about how great it was to be at Grace Baptist Church. The, 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 the administrator at that nursing home was there that day. I've been trying to get after her. Her name's Jennifer. How'd all that happen, Brother Caleb? God sent me through some difficult times to get me out of my comfort zone, to put me where I was supposed to be because there was somebody, <laughs> there was somebody over there who didn't get saved. You know what? I was too ignorant. I'm like, God, what is wrong? I'm suffering. I ain't missed a bill. Are y'all listening to me? Look at me. I think I'm doing okay. Huh? I think I'm doing okay. I might not be making as much money, but I'm making plenty. And Danielle just got plucked out of hell. And little, and little Eva. Little Eva. And she come up to me the other day. I was preaching about the rapture. Are we okay? I'm just enjoying this. She come up to have church. She said, Brother Cub, she said, some of that stuff scares me. And I said, well, you know what I was about to do, Brother Tim? I was about to tell her, Paul, about, you know, if you're safe. She said, because I got a lost brother. 
I'm about to faint. I'm like, God, (laughs) that you would use us and send us? Are you kidding me? Most of us are oblivious to lost people. Do you hear me? Most of us are oblivious. You know, the other day I had a woman come up to me and say, what would you do to Danielle? I said, I don't know what you're talking about. She said, what did you do to her? I said, I didn't know I did anything to her. What's the matter? She said, Danielle don't talk like she used to talk. <laughs> she said, she used to get in there and cut up with us. She said, she don't do that anymore. What would you do? I said, honey, I couldn't have done anything like that if I tried. I said, but I know who did. <laughs> His name's Jesus. Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon, and we hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord.